worship in the world is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions as we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. So please don't spare your mercy. 
Let us pray. God, we come to worship you today in all sorts of forms. Some of us are well-rested after a week of vacation, while others of us are tired after a week's work. Some of us are energized by the projects in our lives and others can't wait until they're over. You meet us where we are. And with grace, you give us reason to sing reason to laugh, reason to pray. You find us with the sunbeams breaking through the clouds and in eulogies too beautiful for words and in baby screams that remind us our future is worth fighting for. God, we thank you for the beautiful gift of this life. May we shape our lives to praise you. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am alone. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my Just no Take my hand, 
We admit each Sunday in worship that none of us love perfectly. What I mean is we all step on each other's toes. We all act out of greed or selfishness at times. We take God for granted. And our faith names this as sin. Sin is defined by any harm we do to ourselves or each other. Sin is when we actively distance ourselves from our maker. And so we admit that we sin together in prayer and then we receive Christ's forgiveness. So let us pray. Lord, we are not prepared for the ways you meet us. Forgive us when we do not recognize you. Forgive us when we do not trust you. Beloved, receive the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, which means we get to live in peace. Thanks be to God. Amen. At this time, I invite Graham and his sisters and parents forward for his baptism. This morning, Amy and Ben present their child, Graham, for the sacrament of baptism. Today, we boldly proclaim that Graham is a recipient of the covenant of grace. In baptism, God claims him as his own, welcoming him into this family of faith and as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Baptism reminds each of us that we are never truly alone and we are never separated from Christ and the bonds we have through him with one another. Graham, may you always remember that you are not alone. Your parents, your sisters, your church family and Christ are with you always. He likes that. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ just as he delivered to his disciples after his resurrection. Jesus said, all authority, all authority on heaven and on earth 
has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. And so with water and the Holy Spirit, we are made members of the church, the body of Christ, and we are joined in Christ's ministry of love and peace and justice. So may each of us remember with joy our baptism as we participate in this sacrament today. Ben and Amy, having heard these words of scripture, I ask you the following questions. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith, to embody hearts of service and love, and to teach your faith to your child, do you? And to you, the congregation, do you promise to guide and support and nurture Graham through your words and your actions with love and prayer? Will you encourage him to know and follow Christ and empower him to be a faithful member of the church? If so, say we do. Graham and sisters, do you guys wanna touch this water right here? You wanna feel how warm it is? Yeah? So this water, it's ordinary. That means that it's the same water that comes out of your spigot at home or out of a water fountain here at the church. It's ordinary water. But what God does is God makes the water extraordinary. And God doesn't only do that with water. God does that with us too. God's about to do that with your brother, Graham. Let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, who washed over this world with your love. And in the same way, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may this water now wash over Graham so that in his own life, he too may share love with others. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. What is the Christian name of your child? What's your brother's name? Graham. Graham Andrew. Graham Andrew. Beloved child of God, for you, Christ Jesus came into this world. For you, he lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered the darkness of the cross and he cried at last, it is finished. For you, he rose again to new life. For you, he reigns at God's right hand now and forevermore. All of this, Christ Jesus did for you long before you knew anything of it. And so through these waters, may the words of scripture come to be fulfilled in your life. And may you love because you have been loved first. Graham Andrew, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. God, watch over your child Graham. As he grows, remind him that your love is never failing. Give him the courage to speak up when he sees wrong in this world. Give him humility to reconcile relationships when he does wrong. And give him grace and your peace and your light. Amen. Friends, this is the greatest news. Graham has been received into the Holy Catholic Church through baptism. God has made him a member of the household of God to share with us in the priesthood of all believers. So I encourage you during Holy Interruption to come greet Graham and his sisters and his parents and welcome him as our newest brother in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. I know people don't love sitting on the front row, but there are plenty of seats like <laughs> right here.
good to have a full house. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21. I'm reading verses 1 through 12a, which just means that it's not the whole verse. Cuts off in the middle of verse 12. Listen now for God's word for you. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach But the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. So Jesus said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and then you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about 100 yards off. And when they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. The word of God for the people of God. We're in a sermon series this summer considering eight things to pack for our spiritual experience of life. And today, we pack a match. A match has one important purpose, to make fire. And we need fire for warmth, to dry out what is wet, to cook food, to boil water. Fire is one of the most essential things we need to survive. And so if you're packing for, say, a trip to the wilderness, you might have matches on your packing list. But chances are, if you're packing for any other trip, matches, not going to make it into your bag. That's because you and I, we are so dependent on modern electricity to do the things that a fire would. So we flip a switch to light up a room. And if the power goes out, we're way more likely to find the flashlight on our phones than find a match and some candles. We turn up the thermostat when we need to adjust the temperature rather than make a fire. If our clothes get wet, what do we do? We throw them in the dryer before we build a fire and hang them above. If we need some food, most of us are gonna turn to an oven or microwave before finding some wood and matches to make a fire. We've distanced ourselves from a bit of the magic of a match. So today, we're gonna do some work to get back and see how vital it is for our survival. Jesus used a match to make a fire on this fourth appearance to his disciples. 
Remember, right after he died and was raised from the dead, he appeared to the women at the tomb on Easter morning, and then they ran off to tell the disciples. That was the first time he appeared in risen form. And then the second time he appeared to the disciples in an upper room. But Thomas, Thomas wasn't there, and Thomas is a bit high maintenance. Like he wants his hand to touch Jesus' wounds. And so Jesus appears to the disciples again, making sure Thomas is in the room. That makes the third time. And this, what we just read, marks the fourth. Jesus appears to the disciples on the beach after the disciples have been out fishing all night. How many of you guys fish at nighttime? One. They've been out all night, the disciples, and they have caught nothing. So Jesus sees them and he uses a match and he makes a fire to make them breakfast. I guess it's, it's entirely possible that Jesus didn't use a match, like he didn't need one. He just proved that he could be raised from the dead, proving anything is possible. So it's possible that he didn't have a match, but Jesus understands how important the physical world is to us. He understood why Thomas needed to place his hand on Jesus' wound. So my guess is that Jesus actually built a fire, gathering pieces of charcoal and digging with his hands into the sand, striking the match and nurturing the spark to grow. It's another way Jesus serves us by actually building the fire. He takes his time, he prepares carefully, and then he makes them breakfast. I can imagine the surprise for the disciples when they saw him. After a long night at sea, probably tired, probably frustrated that they didn't catch anything to show for their work. They're probably wet from being out on the sea and cold with that morning wind blowing over them. I bet that some of them are bickering with each other about whose fault it is that we didn't catch anything. And the Zebedee brothers, you know they're just throwing punches out of boredom, trying to stay awake until that boat reaches shore. Simon Peter, I like to think Simon Peter is thinking through all the things that have to happen between where they are right now and the time that he gets to eat some breakfast. Things like docking the boat, and cleaning the gear and storing the nets. It'd be another hour, maybe two, before he'd even think of making a fire to have breakfast. It is to these tired, worn-out friends that Jesus appears. He meets them where they are. And notice that Jesus doesn't call attention to himself. He doesn't say, hey, look at this fire that I just made. Hey, come have breakfast with me. He doesn't do any of that. He meets them where they are. He acknowledges their hardship. He says, hey, you didn't catch anything, did you? And he addresses their need. Notice their need here is to produce something for all their hard work. He tells them a trick. He says, hey, cast your net on the right side. And sure enough, when they do, they bring up more than they can even handle. Now, one of the disciples recognizes Jesus at this point. But he doesn't call out to Jesus. He just whispers over to Simon Peter, hey, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter can't keep his cool. Simon Peter is diving into the water. 
no longer caring how that boat is gonna make it to shore or the gear, he is eager to meet his risen Lord. Nothing can keep him away. And as Simon Peter is swimming into the shore, the rest of the disciples are leading the boat with all the fish. And then when they see the fire already built and they smell the fish grilling and bread baking, I can hear their stomachs growling. This fire does more than meet their basic needs for drying out and warming up and eating food. It ignites a spark in them that wasn't there before. A reminder that this movement that they were a part of with Jesus walking the earth, it's not over, it's just getting started. This week, I got to spend some time with our middle schoolers and adult advisors on a service trip in Charlotte, North Carolina. There were 12 of them and three of us. And each day we volunteered at two different sites, two nonprofits in Charlotte in the morning time and then in the afternoon. And on the second day, second site, so after lunch, we were feeling kind of tired. And we went to this site that, uh, to put it nicely, was so not ready for us and all the energy that we had. You see, our our middle schoolers, they are really good at uh, being put to work. Like they can make a mean assembly line and they will make it fun and they will surprise the executive directors with what they can get done. And also, they really like a chance to ask questions. It's definitely a downtown church group. Like they wanna understand why they're doing something and what kind of impact their work will have before they're gonna roll up their sleeves and get to work. Well, this particular site, they weren't ready for that at all. In fact, they would give us a list of something to do. So you got all 12 people just ready to go, but they hadn't pulled out the product that they wanted us to sort. And then we weren't allowed to go back and get the product. We had to wait for the staff. In the youth's words, it was chaotic. It wasn't well organized and we get bored when we don't have something to do. It reminds me of the disciples, the feeling the disciples probably had after an entire night out at sea, not having anything to show for their work. We felt that kind of frustration that we weren't, read, we weren't able to put our best foot forward. They didn't get to see what we could do. And we didn't get to see any change, real change, from our time. And just as morale was super low for the disciples, morale was low among our middle schoolers after that site. You could feel the energy shift in the van. So our adult advisors, Wes and Chad, saw an opportunity. And driving away from the site, they pulled two vans into QT. Quick time, gas station. They pulled in and as soon as the kids saw the first van pull into the QT, the youth erupted with excitement. Luckily, nobody jumped out of the van. We didn't have a Simon Peter among us, but it took all the patience they had not to unbuckle their seatbelts until we were fully parked. And after a stern reminder from our adult advisors that this is a public place, so we have to be polite, mindful that there are other people around us, the youth jumped out of the van and they sped walk into that QT. And as soon as they saw the slushy bar, you would have thought we cooked the best breakfast you'd ever had. 
They no longer fixated on the lack of efficiency of that last sight. All they remembered now was the slushy and getting to pour like two, three, four different flavors into a plastic cup. It seemed like a small and odd thing to me, but Wes and Chad knew what's up. By stopping at QT, they met the youth where they were and they acknowledged the hardship of what we had just experienced and then they gave them this spark of energy and sugar, let's be clear, and it ignited the light in us again. You see, Jesus' fire is more than meeting basic needs. Think about when you walk into a living room or like a mountain lodge and somebody has taken time to create a fire in the fireplace. How does it make you feel? Cozy, right? Relaxed, like maybe you could take off some of the weighty things like a a jacket and your shoes and you could relax for a little bit. My husband, Tim and I, we haven't um, lived in a place where we had a working fireplace. So you know what we do? We get a video. I kid you not. It's like available on most of your flat screens. We get a video of a fire and throw it up on our flat screen and it does the same thing. It doesn't meet any basic need, you know? But just being able to see the movement of the fire and, and, and hear the fire, it does something to us. It lets us know, hey, it's okay. Put your feet up, relax for a while. Jesus knows the relief that comes in seeing a campfire. It's why he built one that day. And the campfire is the last image Jesus leaves with us. That's the last time the risen Lord appears to the disciples in the Gospel of John. So the campfire, it's the final image he leaves with each of us. For a long time in the church world, we have lit candles as a sign of Christ's presence with us. So I'm gonna invite our middle schoolers, two of them, Harper and Blair forward to light some candles. Y'all bear with us. They just told me before services the first time they've lit a match. (laughs) But these two are smart and they will figure it out. We light candles in our church at Christmas Eve. We have a child light the Christ candle just one candle. And then you'll remember at the end of the service when we're all standing and singing Silent Night, we spread the Christ light until every single person has a little match of light between their hands. And there's not much more beautiful than looking around at a room of hundreds of people all carrying and lifting the light. We light candles on Good Friday when we do the Tenebrae service, one of the oldest services in Christendom and we light seven candles and then we, we take them out one by one as we retell the passion story of Christ's death. And then at the end, when it is completely dark, we relight just one. Good job. We've had some healing services at the church where we have a candle station and just like these two middle schoolers did, we have the chance to light a candle in remembrance of someone we've lost or, or to pray for healing for someone we know who is suffering. I remember one time when I was a child, I had this skin rash on my face and we were traveling in Canada. My dad was there for a conference and we stopped in at a Catholic church. And I remember I was probably eight or nine years old and I walk in and there's this huge wall with symbols of healing. So there's on this wall um, 
a chair, a handicapped chair, and there's crutches that people have left there from being healed. And my parents, they ushered me over to this station with candles and they gave me one of these really large matches and they pointed me to a candle and I knew what I was supposed to do. And as I lit that match and I moved it to the wick of the candle, I prayed for God's help to heal me. Now, I don't know if it was the candlelit prayer or the oat milk soap that we bought on the way home, but my rash cleared up. Either way, I got better. I was met in my need. I was acknowledged and I was healed. Matches are important for they create the spark of fire. So in our modern world, we have to be really careful not to overlook their importance. We don't wanna forget them in our packing list. And our middle schoolers are the spark for me. It wasn't a QT slushy for me, but it was their energy, their curiosity, their ideas for how we can make this world look a little more like Jesus wants. That was the spark. You don't have to look far to see the spark. God meeting you, you can see it in our youth, in the babies we baptize here. Jesus' movement among us just getting started. And you and I, we get to nurture that spark. We get to watch it grow. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah.
God, give us the spark we need to face each day. We pray this morning for those in our community who need to see your face. We pray for those who are sick or dying. We pray for those who are lonely or grieving. We pray for those who are overwhelmed with anxiety and depression. God, we pray for all of your people. Help us to be your hands and your feet to meet each other where we are. Help us to remember you as we strike matches and light candles and build fires and make each other meals. We pray, O oh Lord, for the leaders of our city and our state and our nation and our world. We can get bogged down with the work of caring for your people and sometimes we forget the spark of why. Help us to remember why we care for one another. Help us to see you and hear us now as we pray the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to stand now and to affirm together what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. Friends, what do we believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Remember the match. And as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the interruption of the Holy Spirit, may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.